Welcome to Grow With Soul, a simple marketing podcast by me, Kate Ferris, a creative business and marketing coach living in the mountains in North Wales. Grow With Soul is for creatives who either have their own business or who dream of having their own business and who want to grow slowly, sustainably and soulfully in their work and in their life. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Hi and welcome to Grow With Soul. Today I am sharing with you another coaching call where we really dig in to the ins and outs of content planning. My guest is Christiane Squires of Bookwifery and she runs courses to help people birth their books from discerning whether someone is actually pregnant with a book all the way through the pregnancy, labour and postnatal care. In our conversation, we get really into thinking about the customer journey and how to speak to people at the stage that they're at, uh, planning content effectively, what goes on to each channel, and there's a little bit of book writing chat in there as well. There's so much good stuff in this episode, and I hope you'll enjoy it as much as I did. Hey, Christiane, how are you? Hi, Kate. I'm good. I'm so glad to be here. I've been looking forward to this so much. Good. Well, I'm really looking forward to talking to you as well, because we kind of discussed a little bit over email, the sort of things you're struggling with. But also, I um, really love the concept of your business, both in terms of what it is you actually do, but also the fact that it's you've really committed to the extended metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I have. I can get really nerdy about it. (laughs) So what would be great is if you could tell us a little bit about that extended metaphor and your background and what it is that you do. Yeah. Okay. So I have a company called Bookwifery and it takes the metaphor of midwifery and like pregnancy and birth into the creative space and particularly book publishing and helping to, I say that my mission is to birth books that heal the world with light. And um, it's been a really interesting journey getting here. And I'd say kind of the broad brushstrokes are started working in publishing and editorial straight out of college. This was back in the year 2000. So 18 years ago, worked as a staff editor for a domestic and international nonprofit. And then just from there, every Every job or freelance opportunity that I had, I just kind of embraced with both hands. I've worked at a university as a writing instructor. I've worked for online kind of media companies as um, an editor. I've worked for magazines as an editor. But my primary focus all those years has been deeper and deeper into book publishing, working in traditional publishing houses, um, either on staff as an associate editor or um, as a contract editor freelance. And I did full-time freelance book editing out of my home for about seven years, uh, just working with various publishers for books that they they had contracted with their writers, their authors. And then about 10 years ago, I also kind of discovered a new side of myself and my desire to work in the world in the area of like spirituality and spiritual formation and spiritual direction and discernment and really kind of going deeper into people's inner work and their journey and their sense of who they are and how they connect to their sense of like the sacred and the holy in the world and started kind of having two vocations in the world. One was in book publishing and editorial and the other was doing this like spiritual direction kind of guidance kind of work and loved them both but eventually was like something's got to give someday. Mm -hmm. Like I can't Mm -hmm. keep doing two careers and trying to like straddle them and do them well and I assumed that the spirituality work would eventually supersede the other because it was the one that came later and was like 
evidence of my own ongoing involvement and interest in the world. And and I was really surprised about three years ago when they wanted to merge into one path, which was bookwifery, which is helping birth books that heal the world with light, which is like bringing that spiritual discernment component and kind of I wanting it to feel one-to-one, even though the primary way I express that in the world is through courses and kind of small groups of people that we journey together through their book pregnancies. But yeah, it's been really interesting to see me <laughs> develop and I, I love it. But it's definitely had like lots of twists and turns. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> that was a really whistle-stop tour as well. I bet you could spend an hour talking about <laughs> yeah, that. I really could. Yeah, I ended up doing, um, I just la- recently launched a podcast for Bookwifery and I asked people on Instagram, I was like, do you want me to do like an episode zero at the beginning that just tells the story of like bookwifery and how we got here. I was like, I don't know if anyone would be interested in hearing all that. And every, it was unanimous. Everyone's like, yeah, tell us that story. And it was like a 45 minute episode <laughs> of like how we got here. So if anyone wants to hear the details, they can go listen to that. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, what I really love about that, and I think probably a lot of people can resonate with it in their, their own stories and certainly in mine even though mine has been a lot shorter of a journey than yours is that you have a kind of underlying thread that goes through everything which for you as books with me is really marketing and then as you kind of develop as a person and you find other things that you really are passionate about but then that thread is the thing that helps you to tie that into a career so for me while I've always kind of been good at marketing and that's my marketable skill what really kind of fires me up is about people having choice in their life and like living their life in a soulful way or the way that they want to be living it and not the way they think they should be so I think that's that's so good because now you have found that your marketable skill or your thing that you've been working on all this time helps you to help people and bring that other that spiritual part of you in as well yeah it's so true because when I was doing the spirituality kind of focused work kind of on that second track and they were just completely separate from each other I always I never found a way to like you know I think I did it for like seven years of like really making it a business because I kept thinking I had like some value conflict with that like like it it felt like I didn't know how to monetize it in a way that felt good to me and so I kept offering a lot of things for free or very low price and I could never make it into a full-time thing and I love that when Book Whiffery came along it was like such a clear business like this is something people need help doing, which is birthing their books and learning the ins and outs of publishing and figuring out who they are and what they have to say and who their audience is and who they're writing for and how to help them. And like, it's just so clearly a business. Mm. (laughs) And I loved that I could then layer that spiritual side of it on top. Yeah, you have to find, I think, the lens with which to to look at the thing that you want to be doing. That's not quite the right word. Or to, to put it through, if you like, a kind of filter that you're putting through the thing that you're passionate about, but putting it through this filter that enables you to make money from it. And that's what people struggle with. And, that, and a lot of people struggle with monetizing things that they're passionate about because you feel like a bad person because you're like, I would do this for free because I love it. <laughs> but also right. I need some money. Right. <laughs> so putting it through that filter is a really good way of kind of making yourself feel better about making money out of what you're passionate about. One thing I just want to ask you quickly, actually, because you've said a couple of times about how book referee kind of came along. So was it a long time thinking it over in your head or was did it come to you in like a flash of inspiration? Thank you for that. That's a good question. Okay. <laughs> It came to me in two parts. First is I had three 
really good friends of mine who are also doing like amazing work in the world. Two of them were already writers. The other one was starting to work on her first book that came to me and said like, you've been in book editing for so long and I'm, I'm working on a book now. Can you help me? And each of them came to me in like the course of six months and over the next like 18 months, I helped them birth their books. And I had never worked with authors from the beginning all the way to the end, like the entire creative process, like conceptualizing and like all the rounds of developmental editing and revision and like even like figuring out their publishing path. Like most of my editorial work had been with authors who were already contracted and like I would just get their manuscript once it was finished and like finished written and then I would start working on it at the level of editing I'd been hired to do and so it was really fulfilling and amazing to me to have these writers that I was like working with from the beginning and like helping them gestate and, <laughs> um, and doing a lot of discernment work this was like the spiritual side of it where it was like we would have conversations about like what is the book trying to say like what is it wanting to become and what is your own inner intuition telling you and like helping them like navigate some of those big decisions you have to make when you're birthing a book like from a place of integrity and like resonance with their own set, like values and I was like this is the most fulfilling experience ever I've had professionally and so that was the first thing that was like I need to pay attention to this because I want to do more of this and then the other thing was like shortly like when this was happening I, I was on a bike ride and I like had this flash of inspiration where I kind of like saw this phrase floating in front of my mind as I was like riding my bike trail and it said midwife of soul and word and I was like, that's it. Like, that's what I've been doing. I've been helping midwife soul in the spiritual work that I do. And I've been helping midwife books through these three experiences with these three authors. And that was like what helped me realize like, okay, that's the metaphor. And so then my husband and I we were going on a long drive one day and we're like, what, what should the name of it be? And I kept thinking of like birthing center, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, <laughs> we, we like stopped when at one point and he like got out to like use the restroom somewhere and then he comes back he's like I got it it's book whiffery and I was like oh my gosh that's so it. <laughs> I love that and I, I and the reason I asked that question because I think a lot of people myself included feel like there has to be a flash of inspiration and can feel like a bit of a failure or that something's not not going to work because you don't have that flash of inspiration and really that's ideas come in stages exactly like you've said and I'm a big believer in when things keep cropping up in your life it's trying to tell you something even though sometimes I'm like yeah but I don't want to do that thing <laughs> but then also that name so with my courses like campfire and smoke signals where the name came to me in a moment but even though I'd been thinking about the ideas over and over and over and then it sometimes just takes the name to come to you in order to kind of really run yeah. with it. I see that a lot with the authors I work with. Some of them really need that, like trying to think of the title of the book. Like they will just ruminate and ruminate and ruminate on the title. And I, you know, there's so much other stuff that goes into birthing a book that, you know, the course continues to move on, but I can tell they're kind of stuck back at an earlier stage because they're just trying to get the title right so that that can unlock for them what mm. they're trying to do. And so, you know, and it's just, for me, a lot of the metaphor of bookwifery is about remembering that I provide a process and I have specialized like knowledge and skills that I bring just like a midwife would do for a woman who's pregnant. But also a midwife comes alongside the mother and trusts the mother's intuition, trusts the mother's knowing of her body, trusts the mother's statement of her own needs. And so uh, the other aspect of what I do besides providing specialized knowledge and a process is 
list, like noticing and listening to what the author is needing and how she's responding. And if she's getting stuck, I need to kind of come back and say, okay, like, what is it that, that you're working with here? And how can I help you kind of unlock what, what it is that's like kind of stuck right now? <laughs> mm. Mm. And see, this is what I mean about commitment to the extended metaphor. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And the other aspect of that is that I totally, you know, I go all in on like the courses, you know, I have like the first trimester course, second trimester course, <laughs> so we're, we're helping you get to delivery of the book into the world, like all of that. <laughs> mm. No, I, it's good. And I think you like, find a metaphor that works for you and run with it. I'm all over that. <laughs> Oh, one other thing I wanted to say, maybe before we move forward, just going back, we were talking about having a marketable skill and then finding a way to infuse that with your passion. It made me think about one thing that you've talked about in your podcast a lot is getting clear on your why and Mm -hmm. how just having a thing that you offer in and of itself, like there's so many book coaches out there for me and there's so many marketing coaches out there for you. But like that why that you ask us to keep going deeper and deeper into is the thing that creates that unique aspect of and that soul um Mm. and for me that has been discovering that that mission of um, birthing books that heal the world with light and like that is the thing that resonates for me and helps me connect with my right people because they're like you know they really love that concept of like yeah I the what I'm doing in the world the thing that I'm writing about the thing the message I have to share is going to bring more light into the world it's going to help heal it's going to help in like elevate humanity in some way and so those are my people Mm. (laughs) and it helps like really help them know that this is for them because they they can resonate with that mission I can see that definitely and I'm so glad that you've recognized that through your own work and stuff because I imagine that's quite a polarizing statement as well I bet it puts off as many people as it attracts but that's absolutely what it should do because you can't have people come to you with I don't know like a cookbook or whatever um, because that's not what you're there to do and then the people who do come to you and resonate with that statement are going to be wholeheartedly in it just from that statement like they don't even need to read anything else they're like this woman already gets me I can feel it yeah and I love it too because like I said there's so many ways you can go about publishing a book and there's so many book coaches out there like you know what makes us stand out like how does someone know even who to work with and how to start learning and you know all of that but I had to make a decision at one point about a year and a half ago, maybe, maybe a year ago, where I can't do all the books. Like that healing the world with light helps me cut out like, okay, I'm not doing novels, even though I love working on novels and I wish I could do all of the books. I just can't. Mm. And so focusing on this one special niche, um, yeah, like you said, it helps people know if it's for them or not. Mm, totally that is absolutely the power of a why and yes a star for you (laughs) (laughs) so well we've kind of then that really leads us into what is challenging you in your marketing because very often well I as you've said talk a lot on the podcast about finding your why and also the importance of your finding your people as well and it sounds like you've kind of done both of those things so what is it that's challenging you in marketing the business at the moment thank you for that um I appreciate even noticing like (laughs) you notice that I've kind of identified my people and I've identified my why so what's the next thing that I'm struggling with yeah (laughs) Uh, and so I would say that the way that I've been thinking about it is cohesion and consistency in my marketing efforts so cohesion meaning like I've got 
four main channels right now. My podcast, book with the Book Winfrey podcast, um, my birth notes, which is my email list, and Instagram, which is my absolute favorite social media channel. And then I have a Facebook page that I'm not using very well, but a lot of my right people seem to be on Facebook, and so I feel like I should be using it. I just don't have a lot of energy around it. So I've got these four channels, and I'm, I'd love to think through like how do I make them all work together and do something valuable in and of themselves but somehow all connect so that people feel like they're part of the ecosystem of bookwifery and then the consistency piece it shows up in a couple ways one is I have people at different places on the customer path like some people are like new to the idea of birthing a book and they're like you know I've always wanted to write a book is that for me and like they're in a very like discerning place of like is this an invitation in your life right now to birth a book that helps heal the world with light given who you are in the world the work that you're doing your sense of like energy and excitement to do this kind of thing and so they're at the very beginning of like figuring out if this is for them and then there's people that have said yes I am pregnant with a book and I need to start walking that path and like wanting to support them in you know, how to get started on book pregnancy. Like, what does that even look like? What are the expectations? Like, how can I support them? And then I've got people that are further down the path that are, <clears throat> they're already like well into their book pregnancies. And they're, they're thinking, you know, pitching to publishers and like putting together their book proposals and all of that like later stuff that happens. And like, they're in the thick of it. And I'm like, okay, how do I create content that doesn't alienate different people at different places in the path and maybe it's a matter of helping them all feel like they are part of a community no matter where they are Mm -hmm. they're part of this and I don't know I just it's challenging for me and then another piece of it is like sometimes I just I feel so aware of other people that are connected to me online that are like not my ideal customer not Mm -hmm. not at all in the book with ecosystem but they are there and I'm like aware of them (laughs) and I get distracted by like trying to like cater to like be likable to them. And I I know that's just something I need to like set down and like not deal with, but <laughs> that's definitely have, having a factor in some of my marketing efforts. Right. Okay. So where I'm going to start is with kind of like your second one about people being in different places, because that is a kind of fairly sophisticated development in your marketing so you're not like right at the beginning you're trying to get content out there you're already getting content out there but now you're thinking how am I getting it to the right people at the right time and the right place of their journey figuring this out is going to help you in terms of thinking consistently putting marketing out there and what needs to go on each channel because then you can know where people are coming in at what point of their journey so The first thing that I would say to do to kind of try and tackle this is to create customer journey maps. And these can be done, well, however your brain needs to do it. So whether it's on a big piece of paper or whether you do like a flow chart on the computer or whatever, like whatever your brain needs to rather it needs to process that information. But what a customer journey map does is kind of show you the stages that a person is going through as they interact with your brand. So you can do it from the point of view of if they've never heard of you before, how do they find you? In what place are they finding you? And then when they click through, what do they see? And how are they journeying through your brand to the point that they buy and beyond? And then also getting really clear when you're saying people in different places on the path, what those places are. And a way that I simplify this down and talk to people about it generally is through the kind of idea of the funnel. Now I know that 
there is a lot of advice about out there about marketing funnels <laughs> and it, it's, it's, it's something that people really turns people off and I can understand why because it's not a nice analogy however if we use it not for thinking about email but actually just conceptualizing how people interact with our brands there's three stages on the funnel so right at the top is top of the funnel and that's where people are just finding us and they're just tipping over the edge from being complete strangers to starting to interact with our brand in the middle is it's narrowed down so some people at the top will be like yeah this is for me no this isn't and the ones who are like yeah they will carry on down the funnel to the middle where they're kind of getting to know the brand a little bit more working out is this for you me digging deeper into the content like maybe going off and listening to other podcast interviews you've done as well as your own that kind of thing and then they go down to end of the funnel where they're ready to make a purchase decision and you're just kind of really speaking to their rational brain at that point to kind of get them to to decide whether they want to convert or not and so I find that quite a useful way of thinking about how people are interacting with my business because then I can think well instantly Instagram for me is quite a top of the funnel channel so the people who are finding me there and interacting with me there they are probably not ready to buy <laughs> they might have only just found me in a hashtag or something so the content that I put out there is a lot more general it's not kind of really getting into the nitty-gritty of marketing stuff but if something there catches their eye enough to follow through and come and listen to this podcast episode, they're getting a much more middle of the funnel content here where they're getting to know me, getting to know what I stand for and and being able to make the decision about is this for me or not? Mm. This is really helpful because so I'm thinking about things like my podcast, when I started it, I just started it in June and I absolutely love it. But when I started it, it was really because I was having all these ideas that would come up in my group calls with my cohorts of my courses that I teach. Like they would have questions about things and it would be stuff that was like a springboard off of content from the course, but there wasn't like a module in the course about that thing. Mm-hmm. And so I would think, oh, I could do a whole podcast episode about this, like how how to use Instagram or how to, you know, like like mm-hmm. just different things. And it was really motivated and inspired by my existing client base, like my, my, my students in my courses. And yet I think sometimes about the podcast, like I can get kind of off track when I start trying to think of that being a top of the funnel mm-hmm. thing. Whereas, you know, I, when I, when I launched the podcast, I did like four starter episodes. It was like discernment questions around whether you're pregnant with a book, like what are the three categories of publishing, four things you need to think about before you actually move forward in book pregnancy. And it's like, those are like the starter, <laughs> but mm-hmm. everything else I was like, I want it to be for people that are further down, I guess, further, further along in the funnel. And yet, okay, so I feel like I have clarity about that. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to Instagram, I see all of my students on there and I'm like aware that they're like in their book pregnancies and they're working every day on it and they're doing the course stuff. And I'm thinking like, do I need to be putting content on there that is supporting them? But I feel like what you're saying is making me realize it needs to kind of be backed up a little bit and be more top of the funnel. I guess what I'm saying is you're helping me think about Instagram, not as the place for my students, but more of like that general feeder of like, what are the people who are not sure if they're pregnant with a book? What do they need to be inspired mm. by and thinking about and make make them want to go deeper into the funnel, like by signing up for my birth notes e- email list or listening to a podcast episode, which is going to help them go a little bit deeper. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. You can't be everything to everyone everywhere. You just can't. So presumably your students have, well, they've 
they have group calls with you they have like a community group they've got they've got a line to you like they've moved past instagram into this more kind of exclusive space yeah so you don't need to be serving them on instagram as well it just makes me sad because they're there i see them there and i want to connect with them and yeah. so i it's like I'm thinking, how can I be offering them value? But you're right, like the courses and the community experience they're getting inside the courses and the access to me that they get, like all of that is the value that they're mm. getting. But, and, and it's not that you're completely ignoring them while they're there <laughs> on Instagram. They are invested in you. I'm sure they like to hear things repeated. And I know I have this with clients where if I'm talking on Instagram about something like newsletterness or whatever, um, that they will be like, they love to see that because it it's a measure for them of how far they've come or it might reflect a conversation that we've just had recently and they'd be like, oh, it's really good to see that again and things like that. So just because you are talking about things at a more entry-level point doesn't mean it's it ceases to be valuable for the people who have already been through that process. I love what you said about it reminding them of like where they used to be and mm. so they can see how far they've come. I love the value that that gives them just in that recognition. Yeah, totally. And yeah, I'm sure that they're not going to expect for your Instagram to be just for them. And so, yeah. <laughs> I don't think they expect that, but I, you know, I'm still connected to them every, all the places, you know, it's like, I can't mm. help but be, you know, mm. thinking about that. <laughs> yeah. And, and and that's good. It's good to have that frame of mind. But you, it's also then starting to think about your channels in terms of what, what job are they doing for my business? Because it's great to go out with the mindset of wanting to serve. And I am all about that. But also it's got to serve you back. So you've got to actually think about, well, my Instagram grid is really for attracting new people. And talking to those top of the funnel people and getting them intrigued enough to click follow or to comment or to come over and sign up to my email list. Maybe stories can be a little bit more for your existing people because it's not as much as a discovery tool as the grid posts are. And starting to think about it a little bit more strategically like that of what is the purpose of this channel for my business. Mm, that's good. Can we talk about like how these all work together because I think yeah. what this is what this is helping me do is reframe my assumptions about how they should work together because I think going into this I was like okay I have a podcast episode on a given week about a certain topic and so my birth note that week should give some kind of like related content that's like a little bit extra than what you can just get in the podcast episode on that theme and then my Instagram that week should also be talking about that theme but I think Maybe that's not a correct assumption because if those different channels are doing different things for different people, they shouldn't necessarily all be saying the same content. I think yes and no. It really kind of depends on the specifics of how it goes. And so in terms of planning your content at the moment, it sounds like the podcast episode is like the nucleus and yes. then everything else comes off of it. Yep. So when you're planning your podcast episodes, how, how, do you, so how are you planning that at the moment? Well, I have a Google spreadsheet that I like dump all my ideas and I use your content buckets like <laughs> thing where I like I say like I have four different kind of buckets, audience, book, voice and discernment. And mm -hmm. then, you know, I just kind of scroll through and say like, what do I want to talk about this week? And then I'll just I'll go into my moleskin notebook and I'll just like basically brainstorm all my ideas for the episode and then I'll just record and then I'll upload it and then I'll work on my birth note email from there. Mm hmm. 
Okay, good. Love that you're using the buckets. Yeah. <laughs> For anybody who doesn't know, <laughs> content buckets are kind of what I use to siphon off what, well, not even siphon off, but just kind of put little boxes around what we talk about because otherwise there's everything in the whole world to talk about. And if you can kind of go, right, these three to five things are my core stories. These are all the things that I'm going to talk about and I will only talk about things that will fit into one of these buckets. So that's the kind of concept around there. So, And it's great that in your planning just as you would if it was a blog rather than a podcast you're kind of going right well I've not, I've got these four buckets I'm going to speak generally one about one each week but I'm going to mix them around a little bit and actually I've not spoken about audience for a while so I better put that in so that's a really great way of starting to to plan that out and then in terms of what goes where so you've got the podcast which is kind of like a middle of the funnel piece of content And then I'd say birth notes is probably middle as well. And you send those out weekly. Yeah. And that's just something I've been doing since June because before that I wasn't very regular at all. But the podcast is weekly. And so I thought, oh, the birth notes needs to be connected to the podcast. And maybe it doesn't, but I assumed that. And so I'm like, I'm either doing this too frequently or just right. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. How are you finding people's reactions to it and stuff? There's not a ton of like replies to the emails. I do occasionally hear mostly from students who are like, oh, I loved this episode. Thanks so much. But I would love there to be more engagement to the actual birth note. And this last week, I did something a little different. So I told you that when I first launched it, I was like, the birth notes are going to go alongside the podcast and they're going to give a little bit of behind the scenes of like something that can like take the content a little bit deeper or tell them a funny story about the like how the idea came about to do that episode that week and that's what I was doing until last week and last week I was like this just feels like I felt a little bit of dread every time I sat down to write that because I'm like I put I put everything I could into the episode itself and like now I have to find some like extra thing to talk about so that the birth note feels like a little bit special and different and like people would want to get it and so last week instead I like flipped it and I put the podcast episode down at the bottom of the email and it was just like a little paragraph summary of what the episode was about. But at the top of the email was like a letter that just said like something that came up in one of the group calls with one of my cohorts that week. And it was making me think about like different artistic temperaments and writing a book. And like, it was just based on something that had just come up in a group call. And I thought it could be interesting and helpful for people, whether they're in my courses or not. And so that's something I'm like, I want to try this for a little while and just see how it feels for them to get like an actual letter from me instead of like Mm. a rehash of the podcast episode. (laughs) Right. Okay. Yeah. Because what I was going to say is it's not necessarily uh, in inverted commas wrong to have them go out kind of hand in hand. But what it sounds a little bit like is that perhaps they were bound a little too tightly and that actually the email wasn't necessarily adding heaps of value on top of what the episode was. And Therefore, it wasn't kind of a really serving those people with great new stuff and also not getting them engaged and enthused in your business as well. So I think that's probably a good, like I said, having them kind of loosely hand in hand, but not really bound together and allowing them to thrive as their own medium as well. Like an email is a letter. (laughs) And that's something that's always what people really resonate with, with my emails. And it was going to be the last thing that I would have put into my newsletter was a letter and it's the thing that really resonates with people because it's the inboxes are really 
sacred space. I kind of think it's the only invitation only area on the internet and people are really protective of it. And so it feels right that you should give them something a little bit more personal as well. So I think that what it sounds like you're starting to do is probably a good thing that yes, there was a podcast episode this week and here it is and here's what it's about. But let's talk about other things more broadly on this theme. So let's think, for example, say you had a podcast episode about, I'm looking at yours now, do you need to know the idea before you start? That's one of your podcast episodes. Then maybe the email can be things about how to get ideas, maybe examples of writers who did have the idea before they started or ones that didn't, anecdotes from client calls and just talking generally about ideas rather than kind of rehashing the exact same things from the podcast. And then you can also then extrapolate that out to things like Instagram where you can talk about like I said, you can talk about those same things. So you can kind of put a caption up about how do you find ideas, even generally, not even about books and those kind of things. So you're talking about the concepts, but not the exact content that's in the podcast every time. That's really interesting. As soon as you said it, like, how how might you get some ideas? I'm like, oh, yeah, because that didn't go in the episode. But it's totally makes sense that it would be a value add. Mm. And it's, it's broadening the conversation around it, because they've already got the bits that you've gone deep into in the podcast, they've already got that. And yes, you can kind of if there is maybe a soundbite from the podcast that it was just like, you're really proud of, you're like, that is great. (laughs) Put that in an Instagram caption, definitely. Reuse it in that way. But then in places like the email list where people expect something a little more, go broader and kind of uh, a way to generate conversation through that list. So would you would you recommend at least I mean, I know you don't you aren't deep inside my business with me, but just based on what you know right now, are you saying that it is a good idea to still keep the birth notes connected in some way to the podcast versus like last week when I did like a completely different topic in the letter part? It was just something that happened to come up in a call. And then at the very bottom, I had a little graphic for the podcast and said, this is what the episode is this week. Um, They were completely disconnected from each other. But you're suggesting to still keep them connected, just maybe broaden it out. Yeah, I think you can test it. I think look at the difference between what you did last week and the week before and how that connected with people in terms of like open rates and the like the time that they were in the email and things like that. And it's again, what is the goal of that email list? Is it to get people listening to podca- the podcast? Is it to get them connected with you as a brand? And which of the options is the best way to achieve that goal and I think if you're talking about the podcast episode on a broader level that seems like a good compromise to me Mm -hmm. okay and that's good a reminder of that question what's the goal of the email list what am I Mm -hmm. wanting to do am Mm -hmm. I wanting to build trust am I wanting to get them to go listen to the episode like am I wanting to give them a feel of what it's like to work with me like all of those different goals (laughs) and so through like what really is the goal but a, a different email can have a different one of those goals so it could be that you send one this week because maybe the you haven't had as many downloads as before and you kind of want to boost the podcast listens a little bit more so you make it a lot more about the podcast but then maybe another week when you're launching a course you make it less about the podcast and more about what it's like to work with you 
so yes, it's it's not fair <laughs> for us, and this is we'd all do with this with blog posts as well. It's not fair for us to expect one piece of content to do every single marketing job. <laughs> it, <laughs> it can't it can't a tell a personal story and connect us with our audience. It can't help us show up on SEO. It can't help us sell. It can't do all of those things in one piece. But as lots of little parts of a whole, whether that's a podcast series or it's a blog can do all those things but if you focus on a piece of content as doing one of those jobs let it really excel at that that's the best way to do it I love that and it it it, you know kind of asks us to be intentional with each piece of thing that we're doing you know like what do I want this to do and how can I just lean into that I get that a lot too like sometimes I'll do a Instagram caption and it's like I'm inviting someone to click through to my profile to, to check out, you know, like the latest podcast episode, but I'm also asking them a question mm. in the caption to like respond to. And it's like, I'm putting, I'm giving them like too many choices, <laughs> like just yeah. direct people to one thing and be clear on what it is that I really want them to do with this. Yeah. You, we've got to give people as few decisions as possible because we like to be handheld and led through online experiences more than we think that we do. Like if you go onto a website and it's got no buttons or click here's, you soon realise that you just don't even know what you're doing. So it is important that if somebody finds you at an Instagram level, it's clear for them to know what to do. And this is what I do through my captions is that if I've got a blog post out, I will write a caption about the blog post, encouraging people to go and read it. Other times I might do a really broad, general question to get as many people replying to it as possible. Other times I might do a really specific question because I'm trying to get some market research about something. But each one of those captions has one single job to do. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for that. So yeah, and I think other than that, because you've got your buckets and you're kind of planning things out and it's making sure that it's really balanced between everything that's going out and that, yeah, you're so when you're thinking about your content on a weekly or monthly basis, you're kind of almost going through and be like, well, what job's that one doing? What job's that one doing? What job's that one doing? And then making sure that that spread of jobs... (laughs) And the point of the funnel of the person it's talking to, that there's a spread between that as well as a spread between the topics. (laughs) It's like this whole little diagram. (laughs) Yeah, this is the way I think, everybody. (laughs) It's really helpful, though, because I I think this way, too. Like, I love all of your Instagram stories about your content planning because I'm totally into that. I geek out on that stuff. (laughs) Like, oh, you've given me something else to try to figure out. Like, each piece of content doing their own job and is there a good balance among those jobs at a Mm -hmm. given time? And then also, who are they meant to target? Like, where in the funnel are they? And so, I mean, so for me, that kind of almost granular level is more with my nucleus content, which for me is my blog and for you is your podcast. So as long as I know that that's kind of got a purpose and a person that it's talking to, I then know that when I go and write my Instagram caption, it's going to be talking to that person because the blog's about that person. So I know that it can sound like, oh God, this is a lot of layers of planning here. But it does start to come naturally without planning it out too much. If you sit down before writing a caption and go, okay, who's this for and what job is this going to do? Just asking yourself those two questions will just make the piece of content do what you want it to be doing. And I feel like even making a list for myself or anybody listening, if this would be helpful for them, like make a list of all the different jobs a piece of content could do. Mm. And make a list of all the different like places on the funnel, like people that are in the different places on the funnel. And even just being clear on what those 
options are <laughs> mm. so that when and then also making a list of like your different areas where you have content so Instagram podcast email list blog whatever and just just like really what you're saying is there's like three categories you're constantly thinking about like where is this going to go what job is it going to do and who is it going to be talking to mm-hmm. and am I giving enough variety to like the different jobs and the different people in the yeah. place they are on the funnel is that right absolutely yeah and the job and the person will always be tied because if if it's a the job of the piece of content is acquisition to find new people then that's a top of the funnel person it's not it's not gonna be a middle of the funnel person whereas if it's the job of the say an email and you want to you're launching a course that's your end of the funnel person that's the person who's already engaged in your brand and they just need that kind of extra prompt to actually get onto the course. So those two are very, very linked. So rather than creating content and just kind of going, oh, put it out, everybody needs to see this. (laughs) It's actually just taking that minute to be like, okay, what do I want to achieve from this? And who am I really speaking to? And is it doing those things? Yes, okay, it can go. Rather than panic posting and things like that. Do you get into like, you know, we've talked about planning at the weekly and the monthly level, but do you even get into the granular of daily? Because I think... No. (laughs) No? Okay. (laughs) No, I don't. Well, yes and no. If I've got something like a launch coming up, then I'll think, oh, I need to do some Instagram stories that day, but I won't think about what it needs to be. And I think that's because generally something like Instagram stories needs to be off the cuff and kind of natural because that's what that particular format demands so yeah on a kind of daily basis I'll think oh I should probably do a story because I'm not done one in three days but I don't get super super granular about it yeah sorry this is a total tangent like this is kind of going backwards in the conversation but I just had a new thought when you talked about stories and I'm like okay if we know each place like Instagram stories versus the Instagram grid versus Mm -hmm. the podcast versus the email list. Like if they are primarily targeting different places on the funnel, if your focus in a given week or whatever is, is for a certain job that doesn't speak to that person, then maybe you can like let yourself off the hook from having to post there. So I guess what I'm saying is like, if I'm in the middle of a launch, but my Instagram grid is primarily for people who are just finding me, I probably am not going to worry as much about pushing the launch there as I might be in Instagram stories where people are a little bit more further along in the funnel and might be thinking about taking a course with me. What do you think about that? Yeah, I'd go along with that. I think it depends on how short or long your launch period is. So if it's like a week, then yeah, I think you can get away with maybe posting once to the grid but if it's a month I wouldn't go that long (laughs) Um, and because I um I think about things in terms of your baseline marketing which is like the low hum of everything that you need to be doing to kind of just be existing online and then on top of that you have kind of projects and campaigns which is like a little trumpet interlude which is short-lived but it's like talking about things above and beyond your kind of general ongoing hum so in terms of a launch you maybe would post once or twice on Instagram just to kind of keep that hum going but your focus is on the trumpets in your stories and in your email and your podcast and stuff that's the way that I would think of that that's great that's helpful okay so and I know just one thing that you wanted to talk about is about repurposing and putting things on different channels yeah (laughs) because you have some quite strong feelings about that (laughs) I hate that like you know someone is if I'm connected with someone on 
Facebook and they're really pushing me to follow them on Instagram. But then I go to their Instagram and it's the exact same content mm-hmm. I already see on Facebook. I'm like, I'm not going to follow you both places. My brain does not need to compute that twice. Like, mm-hmm. So I don't want to do that to people. But then I'm also aware that some people will follow in one place and not the other. And so I don't know what to do about that. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's a tricky one. And what people would always advise is that you create content for each channel. And that even if that means you have an Instagram post, but you don't just kind of click the share to a Facebook button. You actually yeah. kind of restructure it for Facebook. But yeah, that is kind of a massive faff. So it's going back again to the jobs of the channel because you've kind of said that Facebook is probably where your people are, but you also sort of hate it, which if I had a pound for everybody who said that to me, <laughs> I would be a very rich person. And I think it's because Facebook pages, particularly, certainly at the time that we're speaking, are making it incredibly difficult to be visible. So I wonder whether having something like a group you might feel kind of better about just as a potential option. But so, yeah, and I would say posting less but better as well. So if you are posting to Facebook, maybe make it once a week and it's a kind of almost like a letter with a picture or it's a video and kind of keeping it to that rather than thinking, well, I've got to post on there really regularly, so I'll just stick an Instagram picture on there. I hate doing that. I know it's not like a best practice, and yet it's what I'm doing right now because I haven't had any other creative ideas. But I like Mm -hmm. this idea of possibly doing a letter. One thing, too, is I like that on a Facebook page, you can at least post a link that has a Mm -hmm. picture attached to the link, and people will click on it more readily than an Instagram. You have to, like, go visit the bio and click on the profile and all that. So it's like posting about the podcast episode of the week has been kind of a shortcut there because it's like I can post the link directly to the episode. But it still just feels like I'm just doing the job. You know, Mm -hmm. like it doesn't feel like I'm passionate about it. I get passionate about what I want to do each day for Instagram. And I want to feel that passion for my Facebook page if I'm going to keep it. Or I'm like, do I just need to like cut my losses and say, I'm on Instagram and that's just where I am. Yeah, I wonder, do you get a lot of engagement and or traffic from Facebook? No. I mean, I've done paid ads before in a previous season when I thought I needed to do advertising. And I got a lot of traffic there because I was paying for it. But I feel like the same people see it. And I love the people that are seeing it. But they're also connected to me on Instagram already. And so you know, they're seeing it twice at this point, but yeah. they, they're kind enough to engage both places. But what happens is my ideal customer, I think a lot of them are on Facebook and not necessarily using it. Like they don't necessarily know how to use Instagram well yet, but once they get connected to me and they find out I'm really active over there and they, they're in my courses, then they go and they start using Instagram more. And they're like, how can I use this better and more purposefully for my audience? And then they start to want to learn that. But they may not be actively using Instagram in any purposeful way at the start, which bums me out because I yeah. <laughs> I love being over there. <laughs> Maybe I just need to get better at finding my people over there that are already there. Yeah, I think that's probably uh, there's a, an argument for that. I think you've got to kind of get really honest about what Facebook is doing for you. And if it's not sending you traffic, it's not got an engaged audience and you hate being there. That's not a lot of kind of plus points in its favour. However, if your audience is there, I would think of more creative ways to be have a presence without having to have a page that is sapping your energy and not doing a lot for you. So maybe it's that other people have got maybe more thriving pages and or groups and you kind of collaborate with them and say, let's do a, a live broadcast. Or maybe you kind of, rather than have a page, have a an 
open group because groups have a lot more visibility and in there that can kind of help you to think right the people who are in this group are maybe in their first trimester so it becomes a first trimester group and kind of thinks think about it like that because I think at the moment it's too broad it's not sending you anything yeah yeah and that's where you're struggling it doesn't have a clear purpose at the moment yeah yeah I'll think about the groups thing I like the idea of possibly connecting with people who already have groups where my ideal mm. customers are but like my my students they get a private group for them their uh-huh. cohort so I'm like oh I, I another group. About <laughs> yeah, another group for them to belong to <laughs> like, yeah. but you gave me something more to think about with the existing groups that are out there and how I might offer some value to them good so I think that's probably given you quite a lot to think about. <laughs> I have lots of notes here. <laughs> so before uh, you leave, I also didn't want to let you go without picking your brain about birthing books because I'm sure there are a lot of people listening who think they've got a book in them or are kind of really taken with the idea of writing a book. So what are kind of your your top level advice for people who think they might have a book in them and where should they start and what resources do you have for them? Yeah, thanks. So I definitely have a great starter place on the podcast. So episodes one, two, and three are going to help you kind of start to answer the question of whether you have a book in you. The first episode even just breaks down the three categories of publishing. So are you thinking about writing a fiction book, a creative nonfiction, or general nonfiction? And those three categories are very different from one another. And so getting clear on the kind of book you're actually envisioning writing and what is the publishing path for that and what are the skills you need to be honing for that. And so just naming, just even knowing like what kind of book are you envisioning and then what path forward you need to take for that because they're each of those three are different and then episodes two and three kind of go together if you if you like that spiritual approach to like you know infusing your your book birthing experience with soul those episodes two and three are a pair that help you think about some discernment questions around like is this the invitation for you right now is this really a live invitation in your life to birth a book right now and what is the evidence for that based on these nine questions and then episode three that goes with that is like four factors to consider if you're going to birth a book like that is just good for you to know like factors of time factors of platform factors of having something to say that's actually a book worthy idea and then also just the realities of publishing so episode three gets into that that kind of stuff and then lastly um, I think it is helpful for you to maybe spend some time thinking about how you best work to actually work on a book. So I kind of break it down into like there's three major ways you can write a book. One is to just like sit down and like hunker down and write it straight through. Another way is to DIY your approach where you like go research about how to do it and like create a plan for yourself and you might have a planner and like goals and like timelines and like create Mm -hmm. your own little like self project for the year of getting your book done based on all the resources that are out there. And then the third approach would be to follow a prescribed path, which is what I do at Book Whiffery is providing a pathway for people and, and courses and a community experience and access to someone who has knowledge of the industry and what you need to be doing and when and you know, so you know, I have episode four of the podcast actually talks, breaks down those three approaches and like figuring out what makes the most sense for you and your work style and what would be most valuable to you. Amazing. 
Gosh, it's so good to have like podcast episodes. You can be like, just go listen to that. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was, you know, I, maybe you experience this as well having a podcast. Yeah. It's like you have certain things that you, you have conversations about all the time. And it's yes. like, okay, I'm just going to do an episode <laughs> about this, but everyone can just go there because all my best information is there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I found myself doing it today actually in kind of Facebook groups, being like, listen to this podcast episode and then listen to this one because that's all that you need. <laughs> I know. It is really nice. I like it. <laughs> Good. So, yeah, thank you for, for sharing that knowledge. And so for our very last question, uh, which is the question that I ask everybody, how do you grow with soul in your work and life? Yeah, I love that question. I love what you stand for in just the asking of that question. So I would say the things that I do is I, I tend to my own spirit. So I go on quarterly rich spiritual retreat. I try to take a Sabbath every weekend where I'm resting and not working. And I try to protect my evenings to just be at home with my husband and, and do fun things that we like to do. That keeps my spirit going. And then when it comes to my work, noticing my internal response to stuff like if something isn't fitting isn't feeling right and it, I'm, I'm feeling resistance like paying attention to that and like asking it questions and saying like what is this about and I also um, have a mastermind that I, I'm a part of I just, just it was a two-person one for like two years and now we just added a third member and just good friends that we get inside each other's businesses every week and we care about discernment and like taking a spiritual soulful approach to our work and also we love to get it and geek out on strategy and <laughs> looking at spreadsheets with each other and that just really helps me you know feel less alone and also just be intentional and mindful in how I am pursuing my work oh, I love all of that I want all of those things <laughs> <laughs> I love that you have a quarterly retreat it's something that I need to do way more of I did like one retreat with my friend and like it was so life-changing I was like oh my god just having a few days space just kind of it's like the equivalent of three weeks of work gets yes. you to the same place. Well, and what even what, like my mastermind partner and I, we've done two retreats now just for that. Like we'll take mm. a mastermind retreat weekend and just like work on each other's businesses together. And now we've got our third member joining and we're doing a retreat, the three of us at the end of September. And it's like, it's so productive and mm. also so refreshing. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining me, Christian. And I really enjoyed chatting to you and keep birthing those books. Thank you so much, Kate. I'm so, so grateful for the opportunity. It's been a pleasure. And that was episode number lucky 13. All the links that we mentioned will be on my website at simpleandseason.com forward slash podcast. And you can find me and Christiane on Instagram. I'm at simpleandseason and she's at Christiane underscore bookwifery. Or use the hashtag, hashtag growwithsoulpodcast. As always, if you think you have a friend who would really benefit from listening to this conversation, please do send them the link to the episode. And if you're listening alone, share it on your stories or on Twitter or wherever it is to meet other listeners. And until next time, I hope you grow with soul.